Well, hey there. Welcome to the Strong and Sculpted podcast. This is me, your host, Kim Constable, also known as the Sculpted Vegan, to talk about all things strong and, of course, all things sculpted. So this week I have a very special episode for you. I have uh, a guest called Brett Contreras. I nearly said his name. I was like, Brett? No, a guest called Brett Contreras, who is also known as the Glute Guy. Now, I have followed Brett for um, probably about four years since I began my body sculpting journey, because as you all know, because I've talked about it loads and loads, the reason why I started training in the gym was because I wanted to grow bigger glutes. So what did I do whenever I wanted to grow bigger glutes? Well, I looked up on the internet how to grow big glutes. And of course, who was the first person who came up? Mr. Brett Contreras. Now, Brett is very, very widely known all over the world. He's been featured in major publications, every major fitness magazine. He has several books, um, which I'm all going to tell you all about in a second or two. But um, he really is um, one of the most well-known glute trainers in the world, his name, The Glute Guy. Now, whenever I first found Brett, I bought his book, uh, well, one of his um, and The Strong Curves book was a woman. The things that I learned in the book um, was phenomenal. So I learned many things, uh, some of which I talk about here in this interview with Brett. Uh, one of them, actually, one of the most important things I learned was that the glutes are the biggest muscle in the body. And actually, your glutes will turn off and become inactive if you have any kind of injury or um, if you sit for too long or, you know, we have we lead a very sedentary lifestyle these days. We sit a lot in our butts and our glutes turn off very, very quickly. And one of the things I learned in the book, book was whenever you have um, weak glutes or whenever you have glutes that aren't, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing, which really is, you know, picking up a lot of the slack of moving and jumping and, you know, running and training and even, you know, everything that we do, even just lifting furniture or, you know, moving stuff around at home, your glutes are supposed to power you through your workouts, power you through your day. And one of the things I learned was if your glutes aren't strong enough, other other muscle groups will pick up the slack. So they will pick up the slack and the work of the glutes, um, such as your lower back. And this was really profound for me because at the time I was suffering from a lot of back pain, just niggly, constant back pain in my lower back. And and whenever I started squatting in the gym, my back ached for days afterwards and I really couldn't figure out what it was. And I was worried in case, you know, squatting was going to aggravate my back even more. I kind of I lived every single day of my life in constant pain. And even though I was a yoga teacher and I was practicing, you know, 14 hours yoga a week, my back was always painful. And whenever I learned that probably one of the reasons my back was always painful was because my lower back was picking up the work of my squats. So whenever I was squatting, my glutes were weren't strong enough and I didn't really know how to turn them on either. So I wasn't turning them on effectively to do the work they were supposed to be doing in the squat. So my lower back was picking up the work and that's what was making it even more sore. So whenever I read this book and I started doing the exercises um, to turn on my glutes and to activate them and isolate them, just, you know, mentally in the mind to muscle connection more than anything, it completely transformed my squat. And not only that, it completely transformed my back pain. So I can I can honestly say four years later, I suffer from zero back pain. And I was in constant, constant pain for years and years. And I suffer from zero back pain now. And I truly believe it is because my glutes are so strong and also the rest 
rest of my body is so strong too. So, you know, your muscles protect your joints. And so if your joints are sore, it's because, you know, they're not wrapped in a, a big, thick layer of protection, which is your muscles, which is one of the reasons why, as we get older, that we should always be training with weights because it really does protect our body like nothing else. So I want to dive into this interview with you now. Um, Brett in this interview is going to explain how to train your glutes, the best glute training exercises, the common, most common mistakes he sees people making, and also, you know, explain the science of glute training in a way that only he can after years and years and years of research. So I'm going to um, take you into the interview now, but before we go, I just want to remind you that every single month we give away a Sculpted Vegan program to someone who has left a review on iTunes, okay? Well, no, I, I don't think you can leave one on um on what was called I can't even remember the flipping name of it on Spotify you can't leave one on Spotify but you can leave one on Stitcher I think on Podbean or preferably on iTunes don't leave the review on our website guys a lot of you um, will leave the review on our website and then you'll screenshot me the review but the reviews only count if they're on iTunes and just for complete transparency the reason why we run this competition is because the more reviews we have the, the more highly iTunes rates the podcast the more people it will show it to and the more people we can reach so the more engagement that we have on the podcast episodes, um, the, mo the more people will find our stuff. And that's important to me because, you know, I, I hope you guys enjoy these podcasts and I enjoy recording them and I love sharing some really good information. So leave the review um, somewhere where you're listening to this, not on our website, and then screenshot it and send it to me on Instagram. If you don't send it to me on Instagram, you won't win a copy because that's where we choose the reviews from. So we, we go through the reviews. My assistant, Courtney, goes through all the reviews reads all the best ones and then chooses um, a review from someone who has left a really lovely review or telling us how we help them or how we change their lives or what they learn from the episode. And it's not chosen at random. We actively pick the best reviews. So, um, you know, get your thinking cap on and really dig deep and tell me, you know, why you're enjoying this podcast and you could win a $1,500 Sculpt and Shred program. So I'm going to take you into the interview now with Brett. I hope you enjoy Brett Contreras, I am so excited to have you on this podcast. You have no idea how many women have been waiting for this interview. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, it's amazing. And I'm just going to uh, read out a little bit of a bio so everybody knows who you are professionally, of course, rather than just as the glute guy. But um, for those of you who don't know Brett, he is most commonly known as the glute guy. And many people consider him to be the world's foremost expert on glute training, but actually he's well-versed in all things sports science related. He is the author of three books, including The Glute Lab, Strong Curves, and Bodyweight Strength Training Academy. And he is also the founder of Booty by Brett, BC Strength, and The Glute Lab. Brett, those are some impressive credentials, I have to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> You are most commonly known as the glute guy. Tell me, how did that all start? You know, so that one came to be because I met a colleague at a, a Perform Better seminar, my colleague Martin Rooney, and we talked for like an hour about glutes. And he's like, this was in 2009. And he's like, you know, you should, you need a nickname. You should call yourself the glute guy. And I'm like, that's brilliant. And But I have to say, ha like almost all the things I've, I do. It's like someone else's idea, but I just pay attention to it. You know, it's like I could, the glute lab was my client, Aaron and Sammy thought of it. 
Uh, they even like made me a logo back in the day. It was like a Breaking Bad, you know, the show Breaking Bad, like, yes. like kind of a, a logo like that. And then that morphed into the, the Glute Squad was the, the girls just started calling themselves Glute Squad. Uh, the, the hip, my hip thruster machine was someone else's idea. They're like, you, you should design a machine. I mean, so many of my ideas just, even the idea to start conducting EMG experiments was my patent attorney's idea. Like, he's like, why don't you do that? I'm like, I don't know how. He's like, it can't be that hard. You, you could figure it out. And I'm like, so many of my, you know, the, the booty by bread. I had a friend that was like, you're, you're the world's expert in glute training and you don't have like a flagship glute program. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I have strong by bread. She's like, that sounds like powerlifting. <laughs> call it something else. Like, well, I have booty by Brett trademark. She's like, call it booty by Brett and actually promote it every once in a while. Cause I suck at promoting my own stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I'm fortunate to have a lot of good people around me, giving me good ideas and I just pay attention and yeah, works out. Yeah. I think that's actually a lot of how I do my business as well. You know, I pay attention to what people say around or I pay attention to what customers want. People always say to me, how do you manage to hit the nail on the head with like the programs that you launch? And I'm like, I just listen to what they want. And then I just give it to them. I think that it's a great strategy and it certainly served you well. But I mean, obviously you you became known as the glute guy for a reason. Where did your obsession with glutes start? I mean, maybe I'm stretching it to call it an obsession, but I think that you know, given all of the paraphernalia you have out there about the glutes, I would say you're your borderline stalker for glutes. So I, they came because I had no glutes. You know, I was like that, you know, a lot of my followers find me. I, I, I can't tell you how many people say they follow me, but they follow me because they found me online after searching, you know, they, they, they don't have big glutes. And so if you have glutes, then you can't, you can't relate, but if you have no butt and you've been that way your whole life, you got made fun of in middle school, high school, you know, people call you all sorts of names and uh, it's very, it's, you know, it, it, I was so insecure about it. And then, you know, people would draw attention to it. I'm like, Oh, I remember going like thinking at age 16, I was like, I have these lines under my pecs from push-ups. Like, why can't there be just like a glute exercise, like push-ups where I f- actually feel my glutes doing the job. Like when I squat, I felt it in my quads. When I deadlifted, I felt it in my hamstrings and low back. I, I, when I did lunges, I'd be sore in my glutes the next day, but I didn't feel like they were the limiting factor. I wanted an exercise where I felt like you, you, you can't get another reps because your glutes are so fatigued. And ironically, years later, I would think up an exercise like a push-up for the glutes, <laughs> the hip thrust. But I just, uh, I, you know, I had to read everything possible. You know, I was like, if I'm going to develop glutes, I have to read everything. And when I was 19 years old, my cousin, so I'm 43, so this is 24 years ago. My cousin for Christmas bought me this book. It was something like The Complete Guide to Butt Leg Development, and I still have it. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. What, what, you know, what, why did you get me this? And he's like, because I've never met someone who was so obsessed with the glutes. And that, that was so long ago, and I've never, you know, from that day on, I've never wavered at all. I've always been obsessed with glutes. Do you not think, though, that as you go down the rabbit hole with something like that, you really, you know, you learn, it's the, they always say that like, there's three things that stimulate the pleasure centers of the brain, eating, learning, and sex. And I am, you know, I feel the same way. I'll tell you how I first found you, actually. Um, 
it was the same for me. Like I, I only started bodybuilding at age 37. I'm 41 now. And I hadn't, hadn't never stepped in a gym before the age of 37. And I was a yoga teacher. And of course, quintessentially yoga teachers have no ass at all. No butt at all. They have really good glute medius, but absolutely no maximus. And I, um, of course, then started, you know, looking at fitness models online and stuff. And that's what inspired me to get into the gym. And, and what inspired me to start was actually seeing, it's one of my most famous stories is seeing my butt in the mirror whenever I was 37. And I was walking past the, the mirror in my yoga room and I was wearing only a thong and the light was shining in. And I went in to get something in my yoga studio at home. And I turned around, and I looked at my butt in the mirror. And I had this epiphany moment where I realized at 37, the skin was starting to soften. So, um, the, you know, the only way that I could actually you know, make my butt look better was either to get fat and like fill the skin out or to build it, you know, fill it up with muscle. And that was the first day that I I really decided to go to the gym night. So the reason why I started in the gym, I had no aspirations to stand on stage or be a bikini athlete or build the world's largest online vegan bodybuilding company, which is actually what I have now. And uh, I, all I wanted to do was, was build my butt. And so I went searching online for how to build the glutes because here's the thing, right? And so this is what I want to get into. I downloaded a program by a, a, an online fitness model and it, the program was a month long. It was a glute building program specifically and it was one month long. And so I believed naively because I'd never been in a gym that after four weeks, I was going to have glutes like her. And so I would check my glutes every week and I'd be like, why are they not any bigger? Like I really couldn't see any noticeable difference after a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. And so at the end of the four weeks, I was very disheartened because my butt really didn't look, it looked, it had improved, but it certainly didn't look like enormous, you know, like I expected it to be. And that's when I found your book, um, which was Strong Curves. And so that was my first, that was the first time that I had ever, um, I had ever heard about the, the glute bridge or the hip thrust or any of the exercises that you teach. And I started to, um, I did use, I learned a lot from the book. I learned a lot of the principles, um, glute activation. I, I learned a lot about glute activation, how I really just didn't know how to activate my glutes. And it really set me on a path of, um, of, of growing glutes. Um, and I think that it's probably true for a lot of women, but what I want to ask is specifically, is it true that you, um, invented the hip thrust or the glute bridge? Do you claim that that is as yours? It didn't exist. I remember seeing it somewhere before that you'd written, you, you don't think that exi it existed before you started teaching it? Yeah, I invented it. It's so funny because uh, you know, back in 2006, when I came out with it, actually it was 2009 when I first started writing about it. We'd been doing it for a few years in my gym. But uh, I mean, everyone just knew I invented it because what's this new exercise everyone's doing? And now it's been around for a while. So you get these youngsters and also just haters that are like, oh, my dad was doing that in the sixties. Like, so I always say to them, Oh my, Oh my God, really? Can you, that's crazy. Can you send me a picture? Cause if it was around before 2006, I want to post about it. I'm, I'm not talking about a body weight glute bridge or like people would do hip thrusts off a stability ball or something with body weight. I'm talking a weighted barbell, you know, like throwing plates onto a barbell and doing hip thrusts. Uh, no, you'll never find anyone. Well, I've never found anyone. And I've been, I remember in 2009 when I first started writing, I spent a week of my life searching, uh, you know, every which way, every combination that it, the exercise could be called. I never found anything. So it's so funny because these, uh, these, these naysayers, they'll be like, well, everyone was doing it. And I'm like, really? So, so, so then you'll have a picture. Well, we didn't have cameras back then. I'm like, Okay, so I can find a picture of like black and white picture of people doing squats, lifts, Olympic lifts, military press, curls, rows, dips, bench press, 
you know, you name the exercise, you'll find someone doing it. Weighted chin-ups, like every type of that. Like you'll see them in the barbell courses, you know? And and so they were all doing it, but that, that no evidence ever, like no one ever wrote about it. And then people will try and find like, here's a picture right here. And it's some old time strongman doing a pullover and press, but he's at the top of the, it looks like he's doing a glute bridge, but he's actually doing a pullover and press. It's so funny how I just don't get it. It's so bizarre to me how people just really hate when something's attributed to someone else. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, not, I don't have that in me. I'm not this like jealous type that's like, you didn't invent it. Like I heard, you know, I've seen the same with anything that gets popular, like CrossFit. Greg Glassman didn't invent CrossFit. It's been like that type of training. Circuit training has been around forever. It's like, well, he popularized it and put it into a formal system. So it's just, uh, it really upsets a certain amount of people. And just recently, someone tags me online and starts saying like, this has been, see, here's evidence. Here's um, uh, Arthur Saxon. He's an old time, you know, German, like strong man that lived in like 1880 to like, you know, 1920 or, you know, like the, the, like that, that was his prime and, and uh, shows him doing a hip thrust. And it's so funny because I look closely at the picture and this guy like, like tagged me on his story and he's like, you know, I respect Brett Contreras, but this proves that he didn't. And it look it's like an Arthur Saxon lookalike. It's a black and white picture, but I'm like, okay, He's a little more jacked than Arthur Saxon. It's not really him. But also, then you look carefully. The, the shoes have been tampered with to make them look like old school shoes. Then I'm like, that's a hammer strength bench. That's a, Those are Penlay bumper plates. The rack has bolts all through it. It's like a knurled barbell. I'm like, these things weren't, didn't exist. <laughs> they, weren't exi- yeah, they didn't exist then? People will go to great lengths to try to you know, act like I'm not. And I always say, look, I'm like, at this point, no one, none of my followers will be, you know, I'm going to be credited for popularizing it. I I would think it was funny if I found someone who was like doing it in like India or something in the, you know, 1890s or something. That would be cool for me to see. But I just don't think, I don't think it existed. You know, like th- there were strongman things and physical therapy things, but no one just repping out with a barbell with heart, hip thrust. But if I did find it, I would actually like make posts about it. I'd be like, holy crap, check it out, guys. This is evidence of you know that there was a book super training with mel sip and yuri Verkoshansky. it's kind of like a classic book in the strength coaching uh scene like you have to read that book super training it was it's like a classic they had they showed different kind of variations of hip thrust but it was like a partner pushing against the hips it was like partner resisted or like you're doing single leg hip thrust and on the opposite leg you have a kettlebell in your foot so you're it's weighted and it was thought to to simulate kind of like how in running you have one leg doing hip extension, the other leg doing hip flexion, but never a barbell hip thrust. Mm-hmm. Never specifically probably to grow the glutes because I don't know that that was even, because if you think about going back to the early bodybuilding days, um, you know, having a, a, a good set of glutes wasn't, a, you know, thing that there, there was no bikini category in those days. There was no, you know, a, athletic or figure or whatever. It was just, you know, you, there was the male bodybuilders and then there were the female bodybuilders who were real big bodybuilders, you know, like that was the only female category that existed, you know, back whenever training really became popularized. It's only recently that we've had the explosion of, um, you know, the Bikini Olympia, and, you know, obviously the, the height, the pinnacle of it and all the different female categories where glutes are 
a thing, you know, like for a male bodybuilder to stand on stage, they're not, you know, actually I have my trainer, Mark, now doing um, glute bridges. And he's like, he's like 220 pounds, you know, he's massive and he's never done glute bridges. And uh, and he still says actually that I'm like, because I would glute bridge about 600 pounds. And so he would say, he says like, I, he's like him, I, even I can't outbridge you. Like he was like, it's, it's insane the amount of strength that it takes to do it in technique and practice over the years. But even he's not building his glutes, but it wasn't a thing years ago. Like men were not you know, un- unless like you, I suppose you didn't have a butt, which I think is probably why you've cornered the market so well, because one, you're a guy. And so therefore you, um, you know, you're, you've cornered a market, which is essentially a female market um, with science and with, uh, you know, with, 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 with real substance to back it up, you know, and obviously an awful lot of testimonials. But also I think, you know, like, like I said, it definitely didn't exist years ago. So I have certainly, I wouldn't be out to prove you wrong, but isn't it amazing how people love to prove you wrong? Like you've never met a hater doing better than you. That's what I, you know, always, always, True. always say. It's amazing how, many, how much energy people will spend trying to prove you wrong and bring you down, which is totally ridiculous. When you see that mindset, is that mindset, if you're just online, bashing people and that's what you spend your energy doing it's kind of sad you know like you think this person has you should be producing and creating and helping and instead you're going around talking trash online and then you wonder why you know you're not successful it's really sad uh but real quick to touch upon some things you said you know in bodybuilding you don't have a glute day male bodybuilders i mean i've been reading bodybuilding mags since i was 15 years old and never they never say glutes. It was always you've got a an arm day, you've got a chest day, a back day, <coughs> a shoulder day, and a leg day. And leg legs is quads and hams. Right. You don't have glutes. The glutes just get worked. <coughs> you know, it's assumed they get worked when you do quads and hamstrings, but you don't. Tr- and it's funny because you isolate the calves, the quads, the hamstrings, the <laughs> erectors, the abs, the obliques, the lats. The, all three delt heads, the pecs, you know, the buys, the tries, the traps. It, the glutes are literally the only thing that never got isolated. The only main muscle that never got isolated. And it's the biggest muscle group. Right. I'm sure, a lot of bodybuilders, especially ones that take a ton of stuff like performance enhancing drugs, they might get big glutes without even having to work for it because they're on stuff and they're doing their squats and their deadlifts and stuff like that. But that same thing for like a natural woman. It, it, that that doesn't work that well for their goals. It, you know, most of the women who follow me, they were doing squats and de- deadlifts, and they you know they they, they might have gotten big legs and grown grown their glutes a little bit. Then once they started doing not just hip thrusts and glute bridges, but you know more kickbacks, more back extensions, more abduction work, their glutes grew uh, without their legs growing so big, and their glutes grew way bigger. And then they're you know they're converts. So uh, now I think some bodybuilders are starting to do like more glute training. Like Kai Green was one of the first ones. Uh, you know, Johnny Jackson used to do, but some of the guys now are starting to do more glute isolation work, but it still hasn't crossed over to where you have an actual glute day or you really dedicate a lot of, uh, you know, attention towards them. And that stemmed from Vince Gironda back in the day. He was known as the iron guru. And he, his big thing was that, you, you know, to have a good male, aesthetics you don't want big glutes you want huge quads and you don't want the glutes to be overdeveloped and that was just silly because it was you know like one man's opinion but it kind of traveled across the industry so they would purposely try to do like duck stance 
hack squats and or like you know things like that because you'd really want to not hit the glutes and try to focus more on the quads and i'm glad to see that that's changed and i do agree with kind of this this I, i'm proud to have played a part in it it was like i came along right as like j-lo and then kim kardashian like these big butts are becoming popular in the media and then i'm blogging telling people look at all these new exercises look at all this stuff you can do and i'm showing glutes like pictures of butts on my blog just to show people like look your butt <laughs> butts can look like this look at this and it's you can build muscle and uh I, it's like a, a just coming around at the right time i think i played a big role in this glute obsession but i do kind of think you know i always think like is this a good thing or a bad thing and it sucks because like you have this glute revolution out there and then some girls feel bad like if they can't if they just genetically can't build i mean think about men some men can't grow calves no matter what yeah. what if every woman was obsessed with calves and you were like had to feel bad like like crap I, I trained my calves so hard and i can't get them big. i don't have calves i never have it's just i just don't genetically i just don't have them they're just not naturally there and then you have you know some like um angelica tashira you know like has the most amazing calves you know and i'm sure she works them but her beautiful yeah beautiful legs beautiful glutes you know naturally there most of my clients train glutes just as hard like they all train glutes the same way and they train the girls with Smaller glutes train just as hard as the girls with bigger glutes. It's genetics, and then, but the, you know, it's hard to admit. Like you don't. It's it's just human nature to think, "Well, I worked hard for this," rather than to just say, "Gosh, I have good genetics. I do the same workout as these other girls do, and my butt's twice the size." It's yeah, and it's very. Uh, women tend to. I think men do this too, but women tend to just be like. Look at that girl with perfect glutes. I'm going to do her exact routine. Yes. And a girl with perfect glutes just has good genetics and probably has a crummy pro. Like a lot of times they have crummy programs and that won't work well for them. And then they, they look good in spite, like in spite of their bad training. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of frustrating because, yeah, it's hard to tell women, like, don't do all the plyos. Don't do all the circuits. You need to use progressive overload. You need mm -hmm. to develop long muscle connection. You need to do a variety of exercises. You can't do 40 sets every day. You got to buckle down and get strong at some of these exercises. They, that's not sexy, but it's the truth. Can I tell you something that drives me a bit bananas? And actually, whenever I announced on my Instagram that I was having you on here, I had so many people message me and they were like, oh, can't wait for this. See you and Brett have a fight. And I was like, no, no, seriously, there'll be no fighting. <laughs> but uh, I think that people sometimes deliberately misunderstand what, what you're saying. I have a real issue. Well, it's not a real issue. It doesn't keep me up at night, but I do love to poke fun at them on Instagram. So I have a real issue with um, like 21-year-old fitness models who have perfect glutes from birth, um, positioning themselves with the camera at the rear in a pair of scrunch bum leggings showing how they grew their glutes with just a pink booty band. And I'm kind of like, if you fucking do this one more time, I swear yeah. to God, I'm going to kill you. So I go, I go to war against these girls, you know, and then I get all the, the booty band defenders and then they all tag you and they go, Brett Contreras, what do you think of this? She's like saying the booty band. She's, and I'm like, no, 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 don't mis deliberately misunderstand what I'm saying. Here. I'm saying bands have a, have a place in the world of bodybuilding. Like everything has a place. But what I, what my specific issue is scrunch bum leggings, camera up her vagina, you know, yep. booty band. And she's claiming this is all she did 
to grow her glutes. It's bullshit. She didn't. It's not fucking possible. I get like really, really upset about it. And so what I what I wanted to ask you about is, um, I would love to talk to you about, you mentioned progressive overload. I, in, in all my programs, I teach high intensity training. Dorian Yates is a good friend of mine. I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, actually. And and so I'm a big proponent of high intensity training. And so I, I always teach load load, load. Load is king for building muscle. And I'm not saying there aren't other forms of progressive overload, but I teach load over volume, over time under tension, over less rest, all of those different things. And then I have people who come in and go, well, Brett Contreras says that all you need is a booty band. And I'm like, well, I don't know that Brett actually does teach that because I've seen Brett's stuff and I respect what he posts and it does not say all you need is a booty band. So please, Brett, can you break down your particular, like what makes your style of training glutes unique and what Okay, no, hang on. Let me position this question. Talk us through the perfect booty building program. Brett Contreras. So, so, all right. So uh, you you said a lot of good things that I wanted to respond to. First of all, that stuff drives me crazy too. (laughs) I think it's funny when the cable pull through is the most notorious. Oh my God. the, the, The camera's back and to the right. Straight up the vagina. Especially when it's whenever they do the mark, you know, they do the, ooh, <laughs> ooh, and you're like, really? Sorry, <laughs> there was no other place to put the camera, LOL. <laughs> like you could have put it anywhere. <laughs> I mean, actually, I, half my like glute squad do that and I get a kick out of it, but they're, they're not trying to be like, they're just trying to help, but they, you should see that them, you know, I always laugh at like the workouts, like half of the process and then getting the perfect thumbnail or the picture is takes a half an hour and i'm going guys don't do that we just like take a picture we don't look at it and go i need to take another one but it's, it cracks me up i get a kick out of it but that stuff bothers me too like oh, i just did this band work or this is what i do and it's like my girls get strong they are my my clients are very very strong now you mentioned high intensity interval training it's funny because uh, yeah, I have like the videos on my phone, but this was my workout today. If you can see one set of squats, <laughs> one set of deadlifts to failure, crushed it. The, the set was brutal. Sometimes I do do that in my own training. However, I do have friends who conduct all the research on this and volume clearly is important for hypertrophy. And I, but I have the same problem that you do. I watch my clients train. So with my glute squat, I used to have stations. And I'd look, I'd just kick back and watch, and I'd go, that girl could have done 10 more reps. Mm-hmm. You know, she could have done 10 more reps on, on the lever squat or on the, you know, Romanian deadlift or something. And I, I'm like, they're just going through the motions. They're just right. getting junk volume. It's not really building muscle. Um, so I started, I stopped doing stations, and I started doing, so with my glute squat right now, we just do four glute exercises each session. They start, they always start off with hip thrusts. Well, Unless I have them on a special program, but the, the vast majority, they, they start off with hip thrusts, they do four sets. And I just say, try to beat some stuff over time. Like if your record with, you know, say you, you, you've done 225 for 20, 275 for 10, and 315 for five, maybe like every other session, try to get, try to beat your 225 record, try and get it for 12. You can still do other sets, but have a goal in mind. Right. Then after their hip thrusts, I say, Pick a quad exercise that also works the glutes. So it could be a squat, mm-hmm. a step up, a Bulgarian split squat, a lunge, a, 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 whatever, a leg press, hack squat, but something that works the quads, then something that works the hamstrings and glutes. It could be a 45-degree hyper. 
it could be a, 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 a dumbbell like, deadlift yeah, or be, yeah, whatever any deadlift variation, but you're gonna, you know, it could also be a Nordic ham curl. Sometimes that doesn't work the glutes. That's mostly knee flexion, but they do, then they do, then they do abduction, something either frontal plane or transverse plane. So like seated hip abduction machine or uh, cable standing hip abduction, because that works the upper glutes well, uh, better, better than the hip extension stuff, like the glute medius and stuff. So that they do four exercises, like four sets, they do 16 sets and it works well. So, uh, you, you, I totally agree with you. And I, I sell these glute loops. So it's funny. I think people assume that I'd be like, but I'm, I'm a scientist first and foremost. I think it does factor in. I think it does help with hypertrophy. And I also think it's individual specific because I, I can tell you clients that started doing band training and their glutes got way bigger. I also think it sabotages a lot of people because they never like take the band off when you're doing hip thrusts sometimes and squats, like squats, it just interferes. Like you need a large band or else it's going to pull your knees inwards and you're going to have crummy form. It just throws you off. Like don't wear them on every exercise. Just do them, you know, don't do every exercise with the bands on. Don't and, use it as a uh, crutch almost. And, and, and they're like, well, I don't feel my glutes when I do this exercise. So you put a band on, but it's okay to not feel your glutes on every set of our, like I, I told you today, I did squats and deadlifts. I didn't feel my glutes. I, I, I felt everything. It's like you feel it working everywhere, but your glutes will grow as you get way stronger. Um, you should feel them on hip thrusts a lot of times. There'll be sessions where you don't get a pump. You don't feel the burn. It's okay. There's 52 weeks in a year. You're going to have some less than stellar workouts. But anyway, you said, take me through the perfect glute workout. Well, there are a lot of factors. And I think one of the hard things is you know, kind of like, how often should someone train glutes? All right. I think the sweet spot for most people is three days a week. But what if you just are the type that gets really beat up? You get so sore that there's a very individual component to muscle damage. And some people just get way beat up more than others. So in that case, you can train glutes two days a week and it's fine. There are also some people that kind of don't tend to push themselves as hard. We talked about that earlier. They don't go to failure. So they you can kind of make up for that a little bit by doing more sets, training more frequently. So for those people, you know, volume tends to, uh, you know, so anyway, I think in general, three days a week, around 12 sets, you know, 12 to 16 sets a session. But it's like what we just talked about. I like doing... A, like a hip, like a glute dominant movement, which is a hip thrust, a glute bridge. And there's so many variations. It could be Smith machine. It could be a Nautilus glute drive machine. It could be barbell. It could be band hip thrust. It could be single leg, landmine single leg. There's so many good variations. It could also be like a glute dominant back extension or a kickback. The problem is those are harder to do progressive overload with. So I tend to put those more on different days, like more in the middle of the workout. Because that's what I like about hip thrusts and glute bridges. They're very conducive to progressive overload. Then you, you pick you know, a, a quad dominant movement. Not, I'm not talking leg extensions, a single joint. I'm talking things that move the hips and the knees through a big range of motions. So those are all your squatting and single leg squatting movements. And then you know, a hip hinge movement. that The knees don't move as much as the hips, so it works the hamstrings more. We talked about that. Your deadlifts, your good mornings, your back extensions, your reverse hypers, those things. And then an abduction movement. But I have my rule of thirds that I think is really good. And I started my rule of thirds. That was a way of explaining why in the literature, all the hypertrophy experts will tell you, according to the literature, doing 
10 to 20 sets or like 12 to 24 sets a week per muscle group is the sweet spot, okay? Doing more volume than that does not necessarily result in greater hypertrophy. But in my opinion, the glutes, they, first of all, they do a lot of actions. They do hip extension, hip external rotation, hip abduction, and hip abduction you've got in the frontal and transverse planes. And then you've got posterior pelvic tilt, which is kind of like hip extension. It's hip hyperextension. It's kind of similar to that. And you've also got exercises that work different muscles, stress different muscle lengths. For example, squats and lunges work the glutes in a stretch position. Hip thrusts work them in a shortened position. So it's like you've got different vectors. You've got vertical hip extension exercises. You've got horizontal hip extension exercises like hip thrusts. You've got lateral movements. So how do you make sense of it all that the fact that the guy, that male experts are saying 12 to 24 sets a week is ideal for glutes and all the girls with the best glutes in the world, every single one of them, I've trained all of them. They're all doing 36 to 48 sets a week. So I was thinking about, well, why is this so? How is this, you know, how is this possible? Well, the glutes are the biggest muscle group in the body. They're, they do a variety of actions. They're different subdivisions like the glute Max has the upper and lower subdivision. The glute medius has the anterior, the middle, and the posterior subdivision. Same with the glute minimus um, has the three subdivisions too. So you kind of can do a variety, but I think what explains it is this rule of thirds. So say you end up doing 36 sets a week for glutes. A third of your exercises, and it doesn't have to be exact. You don't have to like go through your every training program you make and like make sure it fits out to a T because mine don't always work out like this. But say you do 36 sets of glutes per week. Probably 12 of your sets should be like horizontal hip extension exercises, like your hip thrusts, your glute bridges, your frog pumps, things like that. Another 12 uh, cable pull-throughs, kickbacks, back extensions, those fit in there. An the, uh, another 12 should be vertical. Those are your squats, you know, lunges, uh, step-ups, all those, okay? Then the remaining third should be, the remaining 12 sets should be lateral or rotary. Things like cable standing, hip abduction, seated hip abduction, the cable cuff, hip external rotation exercise, all these movements. And, and here's, here's why that's important. Vertical hip extension exercises beat you up the most, not only systemically, but they make the glutes the source. So things like deadlift, if you did 36 sets of deadlifts and lunges a week, you'd be beat down. That'd be overkill. They make, not only do they beat you up, like the next day you can feel like you got hit by a truck, but they also make your glutes sore. And then two days later, you go to train glutes again and you're sore as hell. You're not going to set any PRs that day. You're not going to be strong. You're going to be weakened. So that would be overkill. So you want some of the movements to be vertical hip extension exercise, but not all of them. Then you've got your horizontal hip extensions. Those work the muscle in a shortened position and you don't lower them as slowly. Like think about lunges and squats. You, you have to kind of like in the stretch, you got to kind of go slower. You can't just like rapidly bounce out of it. Mm -hmm. So the hip thrust, you don't, you don't have as much of an eccentric phase. They work you in a short position. And same with the lateral movements. A lot of times you don't even work the muscle in a stretch. You're just going like from mid-range to short range and they don't create a lot of soreness unless it's brand new, unless you've never done it. But once you get in the groove and start training this way so the that rule of thirds there's three components to it the first is the vector a third vertical a third horizontal a third lateral rotary then the second component is around a 30 or set should be heavy a third moderate a third light and this just tends to the variety helps because it's if every set was heavy now we've done studies the heavyweight versus lightweight for hypertrophy and strength gains They'll get the same hypertrophy, but the heavy group is, after the end of the study, the heavy group is beat down. They're like, 
I feel like I need a, a week off or I'm going to hurt myself. The lightweight group, sometimes they'll drop out because of nausea. Doing lightweight to failure actually makes you want to puke, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have a blend of rep ranges. And then finally, the remaining third is, oh, but, but the caveat there is that if you hate going heavy, you actually never really have to go do one rep max or even five reps. You can just omit that. Now, the last component to the rule of thirds is around a 30 or set should be to utter failure where you actually fail or <laughs> come close to it. Uh, the other third of the your sets should be around, you know, a couple reps shy of failure. And then around a third of your sets should be kind of like five to 10 reps, like nowhere near failure. And this tends to happen with the band work. You're doing band exercise or like abduction or even like bridges, say high rep, like glute bridges or something, frog pumps, where, especially where you're just repping out and you're like, oh my God, I'm burned so bad, I stopped. Was that really a failure? It's kind of like this central governor model with running. It's like you think it's your brain being uncomfortable. Right. It's not really your muscles failing. If someone had a gun to your head and said, get 10 more, I'm going to blow your brains out, you could get 10 more. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of a good rule of thumb that kind of explains this discrepancy between what the literature says and what the best of the best are doing in the field. But mind you, there's, not, there's no research on the glutes for this purpose. I think most of the muscle groups being investigated are quads and other muscles. So that's, I think, the, like, that's my best, kind of one of my best things to date is this rule of thirds concept. I guess as well, it also depends on your goal. I mean, I have a, um, I, the first module in, in my 18 month, I have an 18 month program, um, long-term program. And the first module inside the members area is uh, goal setting and measurement. That's the first thing we do. Like you got to know where you're going in order to get there, you know, otherwise you're just, you know, pissing into the wind. And so I, I guess, you know, because whenever I'm hearing you talk about, you know, and you're saying three days a week, because I don't train glutes three days a week. I train legs on a, a Tuesday and I train glutes and hams on a Friday. And at the minute, actually, or to be honest, before COVID-19 hit, I was only training four days a week. I'd, because I, I've been training like, you know, intensely now for nearly four years. I've built an insane amount of muscle and, and I'm very happy with my body. I have huge quads, I've you know, m big muscular back. I really don't want to kind of get any bigger. My ass is huge, <laughs> muscularly huge now. And so I'm kind of just maintaining a lot now. And I'd cut back to four days a week, which conversely has made me grow more. But anyway, whenever I'm hearing you talking about... Um, about glute training, there's part of my brain is going, well, hang on a second here. I do, you know, I do chest and tries on a Monday, legs on a Tuesday, back on a Wednesday, shoulders and buys on a Thursday and glutes and hams on a Friday. When the hell am I going to fit in like, you know, another three days glute training on top of that? So I guess it depends on your goal. People come to you for large glutes. That's what they want. And you're like, I was the same in the beginning when I started training my glutes and I was doing strong curves. Like I read strong curves front to back. I, I tried all of the exercises. I did all of the different, you know, components. And then really, to be honest, what I focused on was because I was working on my whole body because I was training for competition, training for the stage and I needed to build muscle everywhere. But what I focused on was glute bridges, heavy, heavy glute bridges. And in the end, you know, in the beginning, my top set, you know, for like 10 reps would have been like 220 pounds. I couldn't go any heavier than that. Like that was me, you know, like it used to like give me anxiety going up to like 200, 290 pounds, 300 pounds, because whereas now like that's, that's my warm up weight. So it, you know, but that's what I focused on. And that's what built me the glutes, to be honest, the consistency of two, probably I would have done glute bridges. I'm sure two times a week, sometimes three times a week, but I'm sure really only I chucked them into almost, you know, whatever train I was training, I chucked in glute bridges, heavy glute bridges three times a week. So I suppose, 
I'm, this is a very long winded way of getting around to my question, but does it depend specifically on your, on your goal? Do you have women coming to you whose specific goal is to, to grow glutes? Or do you also have women coming who want to just completely improve their whole body? And would that be a different training program? Oh, I have, I have, I attract everyone, but and I, <laughs> I, write, I write all types of programs. This is my, so you, what you're talking about is really important and you have to try that. So I always say, all right, your knowledge as a, a coach, a trainer, a lifter, you know, a, a third of it is going to come from lifting yourself, like training yourself. You learn so much from experiment, but you got to be experimenting. Mm-hmm. You see those trainers in the commercial gyms that are stuck in the nineties. They train. They learned for a year and then repeated that year 20 times, 30 times. They're not learning. If you're always experimenting, you're always learning, trying new things, okay? Another third of your knowledge comes from helping other people, lifting partners, personal training clients, being a coach, strength coach. You learn so much working with other people. You realize we're all different. We're all unique. And then another third, the remaining third comes from reading. You'd never learn some, like, so much I learned from reading research and things, things I could never learn especially with like randomized controlled trials you actually like we never really use the scientific method in lifting because there's so many variables it's like i just got stronger i got a pr was that because i've been sleeping better because i started taking creatine or was it the program or what you know what i mean is it because i right. i quit I, I i i started taking a nap and i have more energy it's like we don't control all the variables so uh you have to try it everything and this is where i don't like the the wars you see and it's like you'll see people who do full body training bash body part split training right. and vice versa and trust me i love especially like with body part split training i love delt day there's no better feeling than to just have these massively pumped tri- uh, d- delts and traps like for me i just love the way it looks but um i love body part split training i love full body training i love push pull i love lower upper i like them all and you, you can do like for those people you you have to be grounded in pra- practicality. Like if you're going to bash body part split training, then you're going to say, because every bodybuilder, almost all of them do body part splits. So you're going to say they're all doing it wrong mm-hmm. and they could see better results with full body training. Oh, come on. If the best of the best all do it one way, it, it works. Now, my problem with body part split training is it's hard to train the glutes frequently enough. You could do what you do. You have a leg day and a glute day. You could even have a quad day, a ham day, and a glute day. I like doing three full body workouts a week. And it's funny because you'd say, well, when, when do you hit the delts? When do you hit this? I tend to just prescribe one heavy, like one compound pressing movement and one compound pulling movement each session. But here's the deal. That tends to work really well because you previously had this woman working back one day a week and she didn't even focus on chin-ups. She focused on doing lat pull-downs from every angle and she never got strong at chin-ups. So my girls actually develop good upper body development because they're always trying to beat their chin-ups. Like what we talked about, focus on progressive overload. A lot of my women can get 10 chin-ups from a dead hang uh, up to their sternum, like full range. That's a big deal. That's awesome. But then they tend to miss like some of the isolation movements. So I have my 10 free minutes after the workout is over. You got 10 free minutes to add in things you wish you could. So that way it has more buy-in because everyone wants to add in certain things but you don't want to give them too much leeway to where they sabotage their progress because they're working out for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, could, 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 who's to say your program is 
better than mine, vice versa. It might depend on the person. The bottom line is they all work well as long as what we talked about. You're focused on trying to do more over time. And, you know, so your program can work very, very well. And for some people, it might be optimal because training three days a week is too much for them if they're going for progressive overload. My point is you have to be open-minded. You can't be so, like, polarizing in this field and be like, this is the best way by far. I know that when I you, – you, you mentioned Strongkers. Strongkers was the first time I, I – it was kind of like all these women were like, wait, this is so low volume. How could I see results? But it's based on progression. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned, oh, my God, like, I can't believe I'm seeing – I'm doing half of what I used to and seeing better results. So I think we have some commonalities, but I recognize there's a lot of ways that lead to Rome. Many paths lead to Rome in this industry, and there's many ways to write a good program and be successful. And I always say, like, find a mentor who has done what you want to do and just follow them and do it consistently for a period of time. At least give your chi- your yourself a chance to see results and then and then change and experiment and find something else. But, you know, don't jump between programs. You know, don't, it's the serial program jumpers that a month here, a month right. there, a month there, a month there. Oh, that didn't work for me. You did it for four weeks. Really? Right. What did you expect? You know? Right. So I think that's one thing. But also, you know, the promise of my program is sculpt the body of a physique athlete in in, tw- in 18 months or less. So they're specifically going for a stage physique athlete's body. That's what they're going for. Like, you know, it's not sculpt the best ash you've ever had. So, you know, people come in and they say to me, you know, all the, which I'm sure they do with you, you know, oh, will this give me, you know, can I have this or can I have this? And I'm well, it depends on your goal. You know, like I don't deadlift. It hurts my back. And people always go, oh, you know, but, you know, I, in your program, there's deadlifts. I can't deadlift. So don't deadlift. Really? I'm like, no, do something else instead. There's many ways to build a good back. You don't need right. to deadlift. Believe me, your back isn't going to suffer if you don't deadlift. Yeah. And so, you know, dedication, consistency, discipline, it's, I think it's it's one of the byproducts. I love to say to people, I'm sure you can resonate with this and what you do. Um, I, I love to say to people, I use a lot of Trojan horse marketing strategies. I sell them what they want, but I give them what they need. People buy abs, butt, legs, you know, like smooth thighs and, you know, and, and sculpted six-pack abs. And what they get is discipline, consistency, motivation, self-esteem, self-belief. You know, they they get so much more. They, they buy into the abs and what they actually get is a physical and mental transformation, you know, which I think many people are missing, especially women. I hate to be hard on my own sex, but I know that women find it very hard to just show up and do the bloody work, <laughs> which is, uh, makes before, me sound so Irish. In so many directions from people preying on that. Right. You long, lean legs, do Pilates instead of weights, and that's going to make you big and bu- give you like bulky fat muscles, right. I guess, is the connotation there. But uh, I so agree. It's funny because... Uh, I've learned skills like to trick people into, I've had so many people, they're like, I don't want to do squats. And I'm like, and they're like, wait, are these squats? And I'm like, no, they're bench sits. And it's, I'm doing box squats with them. And yeah. they're like, wait, what? <laughs> I just know that they're going to like the way they look more. They think they should never work their quads, but it's fine to work their quads. Like they're fine. They're okay. I know what, I know what's going to make them look better. So I try to trick them or little things like, I remember my dad hates squats more than anyone on earth. So I go, okay, dad. You, you only have to do one set, but as long as you beat your previous record. So he'd always just get one more rep because he wanted to leave himself room, but he always got one more rep. So he only did one set. That was a good bargain. So he's squatting. He just only has to do one set, but he has to beat his record. He has to do three. Um, things like this, you learn like the women that are like, I don't want to get big and bulky. So you'll be like, okay, well, 
well, then we'll just do high reps. But high reps builds just as much muscle. You kind of trick them into, and then all of a sudden they like their physique and they, they start. They, you, I always say you get them to the compliment phase, and then they're all yours. When pe- all their when people start noticing, and they're like, "What do you? What do I do?" Like they're like your little soldier. They'll do whatever you tell them. But you got to get them to that phase first. And so, yeah. Totally yeah. on the same page. No, I love it. And you know, and I get it all the time. Like, like we spend a lot of money on advertising and, and you know, you get people on coming on to advertise it, you know, writing below my ads and they're like, you know, um, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're promoting body dysmorphia and you're saying that women should be ashamed of their bodies and all this. And I'm like, no, 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 sweetheart, you actually don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> if someone can come into, you know, this program and commit to it, like how they feel at the end of it is transformational. I have no problem, no problem at all using marketing strategies to enroll people into this way of life because it's, I, I do believe, I see it like, you know, it is transformational whenever people come in and actually start to to work with their body and see what their body can do. Um, now, I wanted to ask just um, a lot of women come to me and they say, here's my problem. I don't want my glutes to be bigger. I want my glutes to be smaller. I want them to be firmer, but I want them to be smaller. What would your answer be for that? I mean, the training is the same as the diet. It's like they, they those people are the ones who are carrying extra body fat. They're not like lean. Like how many girls on stage, especially if you train competitors, you know, they have no butts. They look like they have huge glutes on stage with the lighting and they're posing. Mm-hmm. You're backstage with them. You're like, what happened to their glutes? I remember, because like my client, I remember my client, Shannon Baker. It's like, she had the biggest glutes on stage, but I'm like looking at her going, what happened to your butt? Like, it's gone. She's wearing these tight jeans. And I'm like, your butt is gone. But she had the biggest glutes on stage, but her normal glute, like off season, her butt's gigantic. You know, my, my client, Massa, back in the day, she always had the biggest glutes and then you know it's like on on stage they they look amazing but their glutes actually aren't too big uh so they got to get lean and the training so they think they shouldn't do weights they should instead do the stairmaster because that's gonna target what they 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 believe in like like spot reduction which is a myth they think i'll just do like high reps that in something or like cardio for that region and it'll melt the fat off that region that's not the way it works so You want to like those people, you want to lose fat, not muscle. So everyone looks at their body and they look in the mirror and they go, I'm probably like, I look at my problem areas. And if I just lose 10 pounds of fat, I'll look amazing. Like I'll look amazing. So I need to lose 10 pounds. The problem is you don't just, you typically don't just lose 10 pounds of fat. It's really hard to just lose fat, especially the longer you've been doing it. Chances are, if you're a big guy like me, you need to lose 30 pounds. (laughs) Right look the way you want like to be like to really look good on camera and stuff like that so like in a photo shoot or whatever so those people you just got to work to like focus on their diet and uh, especially their diet yes cardio can help and everything but diet is the most important thing so they get leaner when you diet down you don't want to lose your glute muscle you'll you'll the glutes have a lot of fat on them so when you diet down you want to keep that round shape and that round shape is muscle so the training doesn't change that much. You know, you, it's just their diet. Now, again, sometimes we have to use trickery because they're in their mind, they're like, I shouldn't be doing these. So you say, okay, let's do high reps, but you trick them. You still have them go really hard at the high reps and try to gain strength in the 20 to 30 rep range. They'll still keep their muscle, build the muscle. But in their heads, they're like, the way they picture it physiologically is like, I'm melting off the fat. And it doesn't work that way, but you got to, yeah, you got to use little tactics. You right, know? you must. I bet you you feel like a hairdresser sometimes. 
<laughs> I bet you there's women who come in with like a picture of, you know, like, you know, Angelica Tashira's butt and go, I want my butt to look like this. And you're like, that ain't never I'm happened. <laughs> I'm not a magician, right? I know. <laughs> I do. But, uh, you know. Uh, it's good to have a body goal. I always say, listen, whether or not your butt will look like that, you stick that picture on your fridge. And every yeah. time you feel like eating off plan or missing a gym day or whatever, you look at that picture and you keep it as your screensaver. And you bloody well do not let that, you know, you, yeah. you aim for that goal, whether or not you'll get it. It's like 10, 10 15 years ago, every every woman I knew had a picture of Jamie Easton on there. <laughs> Remember her, Jamie Easton? Yes. They had her picture on their refrigerator and it just gave them a goal to work towards. Whether they looked like that or not, keeps you focused. But what I liked about it is like, yeah, you, you got to understand how that if you want a round butt, then that's muscle. That's 3D muscular shape. So you, how do you build muscle? Progressive overload, mind-muscle connection, you know, doing more over time, focusing on the muscle. So that these, it keeps you focused on what's important. And it's not a linear process. There are going to be weeks where you suck. There are going to be training days where you do worse. But every six months, you should be stronger than you were the previous six months. I agree. Most people just go to the gym to maintain, not to build. Um, oh, gosh, there was one more thing I want to... I was like, I just realized the time. We've been going for um, quite a long time. I don't want to keep you any longer. Oh, there is one thing that I want to tell you, or I just want to ask you, if I may, before we go, was um, it's something that I I learned from you and that I teach to other women now. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it personally while I have you here. Was I remember whenever I first started squatting in gym. And um, I used to have a lot of back pain. I've always had a, a, a weak lower back. I have four kids. And so after I had my children, not that I had any issues, I had four natural births, but I just, for some reason, I always had a pain in my lower back, uh, which is why I don't deadlift because it aggravates it. And whenever I first went to the gym and I started squatting for days afterwards, my back hurt, right? And it was just this achy, pain in my lower back and I couldn't figure out what it was that was causing it. And I thought, no, I can't squat. I can't squat. But I, anyway, I just thought it was a squat causing it, but I kept persevering and I kept squatting. And then what, whenever I read your book, there was a, a, a passage in it or a line in it. I don't, can't even remember, but it said about, you know, you talked about the, the glutes being the biggest muscle in the body and about how whenever the glutes are weak, the lower back picks up a lot of the slack because the lower, the glutes are in a squat as you squat right down because I'm I was a yogi I was a yoga teacher so I was I could squat very deep so as I squatted and you know and then I went to push back up I didn't have my glutes weren't firing at the bottom so as I was pushing up it was going quads lower back and I realized that that was actually what was causing the pain and because once I learned how to activate my glutes how to activate them before I lowered in a squat how to activate them at the bottom and then use the glutes to power back up now I don't even need to think about it it just happens but that actually completely transformed my lower back pain. I stopped having pain once I started actively focusing on my glutes in a squat and using them to lift the bar instead of allowing it to push into my lower back. Do you have anything to say about that? Or have you had any similar experiences? Yeah, so uh, this is like a, I don't want to make this a lengthy, complicated answer, but I think as you learn more uh, as a scientist, for me, it's like I start off mostly like a biomechanist and then, then you start reading more, you start following the pain scientists and learning what they have to say. And they're like, uh, well, pain, like, pain is not always damage. And it's not just that you're always using bad form. And then there's been this movement that I think the pendulum always swings in our industry. So it, does. it was always about biomechanics and posture and structure and, you know, uh, form. And then, then it kind of, 
it's shifted this way now kind of i feel like almost too much in the direction of none of that stuff matters that much it's just like like this is overrated biomechanics overrated it's pain is more complicated the, the biopsychosocial model all right so what when you had back pain from this that a lot of the pain scientists might be like we don't even know if it's we could mri your spine and it might just be fine you know 30 33 percent of people it depends on the age but like have a disc herniation and they don't even know it they have no pain and then there's people who have pain and they have no back pain hell you don't even need a body to have pain there you heard of this phantom limb pain your hand hurts <laughs> and your arm got chopped off and you don't yeah. even have a hand so a lot of it's in the brain and there's all this, you know, you have to, to, to the pain science is a fascinating field mm-hmm. and I try to learn from them. But is it as simple as like, just get your glutes stronger, just do these hip thrusts and abduction and that'll just cure everything? Well, I used to think like, no, that doesn't just help on its own because you need to blend it into the movements. But actually there is some research showing, yeah, just doing hip thrusts and abduction and stuff like that might on its own offset a lot of offsets fix your back pain but like what i don't i don't like that word like fix but because that also could be a a a placebo effect like i i read this and then i but anyway it does help a lot anecdotally so many people say it helped them but it really helps when you also like you said start focusing on your form maybe you were trying to stay so upright and just use your quads and you end up like rounding your back just a little bit and then when you Mm -hmm. start sitting back a little more and keeping your chest up and leaning a little, you keep a better arch in your low back and now you don't have low back pain because you don't round it or something. So those little things, it's like not only just doing the glute work, but also paying attention to your form and really focusing on your form with squats and deadlifts and all these things, that that can really make a huge difference. So it's the, like I have so many of my glute squad members before me, they had constant nagging back pain. A lot of the times, it's not from like rounding their back. And Della's actually from hyperextending their back with everything they do. They're mm-hmm. doing hip thrusts, their chests are up, they hyperextend, they do reverse hypers. Their back, you look at their lumbar spine, yes. and it's so yep. overarched. I teach them, hey, chill out, like let, let, keep this. And I put my hand on the low back. I don't want this to move. Keep this more neutral. Move just through the hips. And then they stop hyperextending, their back pain goes away, their glutes get stronger. Some of them had back pain before they came to me for two years and they trained with me one session and their glute, their back pain never resurfaced again. Was it because I got their glutes strong or I told them quit hyperextending or quit rounding or whatever, right. whatever the case is, it tends to work. So <laughs> you're right. It, and, and if that's what I don't like about some of these pain scientists, they, they're naysayers. It's like, you don't work with tons of lifters like I do and see these anecdotally. Like they, I, I made yep. a post on Instagram and said, how many of you your back starts feeling better once you start doing more glute work. I just get so many people going, me, me, me. I totally noticed it. They'd say, well, that's that could be placebo effect. There's too many to... Like, There's too many. Uh, You're right. You're right. Many. And, and they, they don't, they don't, a lot of them don't have this placebo effect. They don't expect anything. They don't... Like, I've had clients come in and they're like, you know, I used to hike... This is when I lived in Phoenix. I used to hike Camelback Mountain and I'd always have back pain come towards the top of the mountain. I'm like, how come you never told me? They go, because I just thought it was normal. I didn't... That's just, I thought it's a normal thing, but now it doesn't happen. That was an unexpected side effect. They weren't expecting it. They didn't even think about it, you know? Yeah. With me, like I used to have a lot of back pain in my 20s more than I have now, but it's because I, I learned like when I deadlift heavy, I round my back. <laughs> I learned how much I can round. It's in a very advanced skill. Yeah. I don't keep my back totally arched. I have to go I don't either. That, so 
I had to learn exactly what I can and can't get away with. And you build discipline and, and skill. That's hard to learn over time. And it, you have, you typically have to like screw yourself several times before you really finally wake up and smell the coffee. So It's experience. You're right. It's yeah. experience to know what you can and can't do. And that I think that's probably what it is for me as well. Now, whenever I squat now, I only squat on a V squat, an incline hack squat or a pendulum squat. I don't do free bar squats anymore. Why? Because I have huge legs. I don't need to. <laughs> and, you know, when I find those keeping my arms in front of me with the arms not behind, I tend to find that the, the hands behind the bar on my shoulder, that's when that, my back in that arch position, I'm much more likely to hurt it. I figured out what now what works to, you know, there's, and I hate the expression because I'm a vegan, obviously. There's many ways to skin a cat, you know, there's many ways to, to, to get an end result, you know, without having to, um, to do, you know, people get evangelical. I think about the free bar squat, you know, and it's something I always teach. I'm like, seriously, you can squat on the Smith, you can squat on a V, you can squat on the pendulum, you can squat many, many, many ways to squat, you know, without you having to be evangelical about the free bar. So, but that's a whole other discussion. When I when I start glute, glute lab here in San Diego, so in Phoenix, I had everyone doing the free weight, you know, barbell squats and deadlifts, and I said, I'm going to be training a lot more people. I can't have my eyes on them. We're not going right. to do barbell squats and deadlifts. I have this lever machine. Here it is, right here. We do that lever machine squats. We would do we do goblet squats, heels elevated, and lever machine squats, and then we do kettlebell deadlifts with these kettlebells here. We do kettlebell mm-hmm. deadlifts, and then the hammer strength deadlift machine. And what's nice is they weren't so focused. Like the, the reason why those exercises are the most dangerous are because number one, they're the most like heavy compound. Like they're really hard at the bottom where you can contort your body. Like when you have high compression and muscular forces under flex positions, things can go awry. That's what makes them so good. Is also it's like a double-edged sword. But also because people care so much about your strength, it gives you street cred. So you start right. moving your towards ego. a. a you know, a 225 pound squat or a 315 pound deadlift, you, you want it so bad. You'll, you'll, you'll lie to yourself. You'll start warming up. This doesn't feel good, but oh, I can. And some days you push through it and you succeed. Other days it's snap city. So you, no one cares what they see. No one gets hurt on Cedar rows. It's a safe lift, but also no one, you're not going to be like, <gasps> and like contort your body just to get one more rep on the Cedar row or something. You know what I mean? So uh, we had great results from focusing more on like, hip thrusts and leg press and these straddle lifts that I, I call it that like is kind of like a squat and a deadlift mixed together. And then they, they still do these other lifts, but we weren't so focused on obsessive about progressive overload and people saw great results from that. I think that's the difference though, between an experienced trainer who's trained a lot of people like, like you, you know, we sold 10,000 programs in the last two years. So of all different types of programs, four week, 12 week, one week, 18 month, 12 month, 10,000. That's a shitload of women <laughs> and men coming, you know, that you're yeah. interacting with every day. And what I realized is there's no one way to do things. Machines yeah. work just as well as free bar to achieve an end goal. Most of the people coming into my program are aged between 35 and 75. If you're 50 years old, you know, and you've never really trained that hard, you want to build a body, I want to see you on a machine, put the barbells down, put the dumbbells down, you know, like just be safe while you do it, you know. You have a coach watching over you, that's one thing. Yes, of course, but many of them don't. You have me training you, then yeah, go for these lists. Yeah. It's on your own in a gym. Hit up the leg press. Hit up, you know, I know, I totally be agree. Safe, be safe. But I think that's that's when it comes down to experience more than anything. You know, we're not evangelical about things. We just do what works. Brett, this has been um, absolutely amazing. I'm, I, I've loved chatting to you. I can't believe we've been on for so long. Um, I could literally talk to you all day, but I know that you have to uh, get back to 
whatever it is that you're doing today, training yourself probably. Are you guys on lockdown as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just got word our gyms aren't opening till August 15th. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of very stressed people I'm in California. I don't know whether they're going to open here, but kind of sucks because I'm a little studio. I'm like, I could bring people in here, but I don't, you know, you don't want to get in trouble. So, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Well, Many I don't know. Times, we, such weird times, you know? Weird times. We developed a program called the Jailhouse Shred, which is all body weight uh, programs, uh, all body weight training. And I, I got actually a Ninja Warrior, collaborated with a guy, a friend of mine. He's been on Ninja Warrior UK. He's a Ninja Warrior course tester. Really? He's been in the final twice on Ninja Warrior UK. And so he and I collaborated on a calisthenics home program, which has been phenomenal. So people have been working through that, which is good. But um, tell people like, just keep working hard. Just keep moving. Can you maintain all your muscle? Maybe. So I have some people saying I my glutes are growing during the quarantine, but at the very least, you're going to maintain a ton of it and set yourself up when the gyms reopen. Yeah. If you didn't lift this whole time, you're going to be half your strength. If you've been working out hard with body weight stuff, you yeah. won't lose that much strength. And then you set yourself up to where it only takes you three weeks to get back. Exactly. To well, you probably know you're a scientist. You know about myonuclei, nuclei and myonuclei. Whenever your body builds, your muscle builds nuclei, even if it does you know, atrophy, then you've got the myonuclei stay for the rest of your life and they build back up again super fast. So whatever you lose, you can build back up. You know, you're never going to you're never going to lose it completely. So I just I just love telling people to chill out. Um, Brett, this was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for your time. Tell us where we can find out more about you, where my listeners can go and buy your books or download your programs or wherever. Where can we go? Just go follow me on Instagram. It's at Brett Contreras 1. I think if you type in the glute guy, I come up. But uh, if you can't remember Brett Contreras, but then I, that, uh, everyone's got the link tree or whatever that has a link to all their stuff. So you can subscribe to my newsletter and find my stuff that way. Great. And your books are on Amazon. Where's the best place to buy your books? Yeah, Amazon, I think. And so lately, Amazon lately is, uh, I think they prioritize like the essential, I don't know what they did, but. Building glutes isn't essential. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. So like, what happened to the books? Like my, I think it's like, I've been got some DMs from people being like, why is your book like $90 for. I'm like, what? That's not right. I think they, I don't know what they did, but should be corrected soon, hopefully. But yeah, anyway, yeah Amazon is the, you know, Amazon. And then uh, you're in the UK or most of your followers, your followers worldwide. No, no, mostly in the USA, 60, 70% USA. in the USA. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I've got lots of things that I, that I'm into, like the, the equipment and stuff like that. I've got like sell the glute loops, but I'm proud of myself because I, I really like home. I, I feel like I, I've been training from home for so long. I love training. I don't like relying on a gym. And now people can see why. You know, right. I've been doing this for, I think at age 24, I started. So 19 years ago, I bought my first garage gym and I've been collecting equipment ever since. So I've got a good array of, of, of like home uh, exercise stuff too. So. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. But if anything, I think if people just chill out and relax, do what they can do and don't stress about what they can't, they're going to get through it. Agreed. Brett Contreras, thank you so much. We will link to your website and to your Instagram in the show notes as well. So guys, if you want to find out more about Brett, you can go there. Just click on the show notes if you're um, on our website, The Sculpted Vegan. Um, But Brett Contreras, thank you so much. I will chat to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a great chat.
Wasn't Brett absolutely amazing? Oh my God, I love him so much. Like we just got on like a house on fire and people kept saying to me whenever they knew that Brett was coming on this podcast, you know, because they know that I have a war on the booty band. <laughs> I am like, and it's not that I have a war on the booty band. I think that there's a lot of misconception out there that, you know, all you need to grow a perfect pair of, you know, cheeks is a booty band and body weight exercises. And it really isn't true. Like Brett said himself, load is king. You know, if you're going to train your glutes over a long period of time and really build up size and strength in them, you need heavy load. Sure, you can get amazing ex- you can get amazing results starting from home, starting with body weight exercises, activating your glutes. Uh, I mean, I think that everybody should learn how to do that in the beginning. And if you trained at home with body weight exercises and really pushed hard on progressively overloading with volume, you would see incredible, incredible shape in your glutes in about eight weeks or so. However, you know, at some point you are going to have to increase the intensity by adding load, but that's okay. That's just progressive overload. And that is how we change our bodies in the long term. So don't forget to leave me that review on iTunes. Send me a picture of your review on Instagram and you could be in with a chance of winning. We choose one every single month and the next one will be chosen at the start of June and we will announce it and celebrate you on Instagram and also reach out to you via email and let you know that you have won. Guys, thank you so much for listening and for your time and attention have an absolutely wonderful week no matter where you are and I will see you next week for another episode of Strong and Sculpted. Bye for now. <laughs>